on this episode of Movies Ruined My Life. It's a discussion that we actually had back at the beginning of June on Christopher Nolan. Have you heard of him? All right, so this is Danny. Hey, guys. That's Devin. Hey. This is Brent. Hello. I'm Brandon. And Christopher Nolan, gentlemen. He's a guy who Crickets. does stuff. Yeah. Christopher <laughs> Nolan, he's the uh, successful brother. <laughs> <laughs> he creates work for his entire family. Creates work for his little brother. Yeah, it's good. Um, <clears throat> this is a guy who... I guess probably since 2000, since Memento came out, has has kind of been fighting upstream against um, half of the critics who think that he's rehashing old world cinema concepts, you know, borrowing from from other directors and other stories, and then half of the the internet and and reviewers and whatnot that think he's a genius. And I think all of us probably fall somewhere in the middle. Is that fair to... I, I think so. Yeah. Yep. So, that being said, there's too many movies in this cat's catalog to not do an episode on him uh, that we all love. Uh, to not do an episode. That's how I meant to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what we're going to do with this episode, in the next two segments, we're going to go to our, our classic debate structure that we like to do, solving nothing, of course, because we never pick a winner. Um, where we'll try and decide which is the best Christopher Nolan film to watch first for any newcomers to Nolan. Um, but before we get into that, I'd like to talk to some, about some of the, the staples of his work uh, and uh, some of your personal experiences with him. Uh, Danny, do you want to maybe kick us off with a uh, first and favorite of this guy's catalog? Because there's all kinds of different stuff in there. Kind of A lot of times he's a similar tone, I, I feel like, but he definitely broaches a lot of different subject matter, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's weird because, I mean, his his movies do so well, you could call him like a kind of a cerebral populist in the vein of like a Abrams or something, but not really because he takes his movies so seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it took him like five years to write Inception, and he was thinking about doing it for even longer than that. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't dismiss him outright or anything like that. Uh Obviously, the first movie I saw of his was Memento, and around that time, there were, like, a lot of movies that were kind of playing with the linear fabric of narrative, you know, like, to, you know, reflect the protagonist's, you know, broken circumstances. Like, there was Memento, there was Fight Club, Requiem for a Dream, and there's probably a few <laughs> others, right? Mm-hmm. Super cool movies, transgressive movies. Well, even stuff like 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 being John Malkovich was in and around there, wasn't it? Yeah, that's before. a big one. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. like these these yeah, that was like my introduction to DVD culture. Mm-hmm. Right, was like from the Matrix to actual good shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the Matrix. Yeah, Matrix is good. Yeah, so Memento, I loved immediately. Um, probably for the setting initially, I just love any movie that's set in like a anonymous desert town. But um, Guy mm-hmm. Pierre, I think they filmed it in something like twenty days. And I loved it because of obviously the backwards thing, but if you watch it a couple more times, you realize it's not really about so much about his memory problems. It's more about what you choose to believe out of the information at hand. 
I mean, there are so many times in the movie where he's given conflicting information mm. and he makes a conscious decision as to which um, which person he's going he's to believe, trust, yeah. which set of facts he's going to go with. He has about two minutes to do this, make this decision before his memory fades, but he still makes that decision. It's interesting because for everybody, I mean, all our good memories are kind of generous distortions. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we get to trust the emotional truth of them, mm-hmm. but the factual truth is Irrelevant. way different. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just thought that was such a cool movie, and it was a, a really sympathetic performance from Guy Pierce. Like, um, I really wanted ha- things to work out for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was He's... like a, uh, I feel like Brad Pitt could have done that role. But like Guy Pierce, I'm glad he did yeah. it instead. Yeah, I, I I couldn't think of anyone who I think I'd enjoy that as much as I did Pierce in that role for sure. And yeah. he just it he doesn't seem to continue on. Like he did Rules of Engagement after that, but with in terms of Hollywood, he's been in quite a bit of. He's so choosy stuff, but though. More, yeah, exactly. That's was the, the Time thing. Machine before or after that? After. Right after. <laughs> yeah. Right after he did the Time one. Machine. Yep. So yeah, that's first and favorite Memento for me. Both. Wow. Okay. Both. Yep. Both. 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 <laughs> Devange. Mm-hmm. What's your what's your first and favorite? Actually, sorry, let's also put in a least favorite, because you just that was kind of boring. First and favorite. Danny, what's your least favorite? First? <laughs> oh, my least favorite? Oh, that's would t- be a tie between Interstellar and the latest Dark Knight, the one with Bane. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll go with the latest Dark Knight. Okay. Devin. Um, yeah, so my um for my favorite, I picked the Prestige. I think it's a, um, it's a really fun movie. Yeah, I don't man. Know. It's uh, um, just a great story of competing magicians. Yeah, <laughs> and the lengths to which people will go to. Yeah, yeah, and pretty, pretty interesting character study. And it's so cool that it fell in between like a Batman movie and a Wolverine movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people didn't see it initially. Yeah, I I, I didn't actually when it uh, when it came out. I think I I saw it a number of years um, later, probably only a, a few years ago. But um, the story of of like magicians, I th- I think, really suits um, Nolan's uh, penchant for um, just last minute twists, kind of a thing. I mean, it is very very much like a magician's act sort of a quality yeah, so yeah. i think that that that's a really good point that um really really uh plays plays well with him and just that you know just the rising um uh tension of of uh jackman's kind of kind of obsession with uh with this this trick that uh bale's character is doing excellent um, just just a, a really great film I, I mean i don't know there's there's not a whole lot more to say about it just just yeah, cool story. It has um, Bowie playing Tesla, doesn't it? Bowie yeah. plays Tesla, Dude. absolutely. Salt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, your first? Um, pardon? Your first Nolan that you saw? First film? Ah, uh, the first Nolan what, film. That which I film th- popped your Nolan cherry? Ah, uh, that's f- gross. Don't ever say that again. The first one that I saw, I think, was actually Batman Begins. Really? Yeah. Late comer. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I had heard a lot of people Don't talk. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> I had always heard a lot of people talk about Memento, but I just never, never really, um, never really bothered. I don't know. Odd. That is odd. I yeah. just noticed I worry about this, you. This whole uh, video clip is just going to be a huge advertisement for Tim Hortons. <laughs> Usually we have our own coffees and, and 
pastries and cookies and whatnot, but we we totally uh, sold out. Well, I mean, we're, it's, it's camp day. It's so, camp day, yes. Right? So, it's if, coming up, I guess. Absolutely. Wednesday, June 1st. So, Perfect. yeah, support camp day. <laughs> Devin, you have a least favorite? Um, I mean, he was... Uh, uh, it's tough to say. I mean, he really does have, have a, an impressive... Uh, <laughs> An impressive catalog of films that he's uh, that he's directed, you know. It's true. Like, there's not one that I've seen that I haven't at least liked a bit, you know. I mean, I mean, he was he was uh, producer and uh, story writer of Man of Steel, so that maybe. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't but he didn't just because they. Yeah, yeah it's because he, he was afraid of like how they're going to set up Batman after that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's tough tough to say. Um, yeah. Just out of his directed work. Out of his directed work, I least favorite. Least favorite. Uh, it's, it, on, honestly, it's a it's a tough one. This uh, maybe maybe um uh <laughs> dude, don't worry, we'll it's hard. This break. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe the maybe the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh, I mean that's, that's two votes for that one. Yeah, that's two fair. Votes, that's yeah. fair. It was a it was a good movie though. That's the thing. I it's mean, a it's, it's my least favorite of him, but it's it it still is a really a really good movie. It's got yeah, it's got better rewatch value than a lot of people think. We talked about this in the Batman mm-hmm. episode where I can actually, as much as I love Batman Begins, I love Liam Neeson and all that stuff. Every time I go back and watch it, I'm kind of disappointed with what i have in my head much like what you talked about earlier danny and what is actually on the screen it's important. whereas maybe the low expectations of rises uh, allows me to enjoy it a little more on rewatch mm-hmm. sorry you were gonna say friend. oh no i was gonna say was the scarecrow's in the first one he's in the first he's and the begins. second yeah but like he's actually scarecrow in the first and then just like you mm-hmm. know they talk to him later he tries to come he's back drug or whatever, dealer yeah. or whatever yeah, that was the thing yeah no because like it was, that was the thing the villains were the best part of the first one everything else was kind of poorly paced and not well structured and yeah so that kind of makes sense going back. Cause I mean, as much as, you know, dark Knight rises was all filmed in broad daylight. Mm. It's still, yeah, I, I got to go back and watch it again. Sorry. You just, you just tweak something. You can edit this out. That's fine. No, no. <laughs> so what it's about gonna, you, Brent? Gonna be well, editing out half of my bed. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't it's, know. Uh, it's difficult. To... <laughs> oh man. Uh, first, first, and, first favorite and, and least, least favorite. favorite. Yeah. So first was Memento. And that was around the time, like I was saying before, when Danny was uh, sort of sharing um, that sort of DVD culture, like, you know, late 90s when Matrix sort of set it off and PlayStation 2 set it off and everybody was buying DVDs at, you know, HMV or whatever the hell we did and uh, and that kind of thing. And so I remember my older brother getting the collector's edition of Memento that came with a little, like, paper clip and all the inserts and all the medical notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And watching that and just being like, I don't know what the fuck this is or what a Christopher Nolan is and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I watched what's, it. What's a Christopher Nolan? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is like, how old was I? I was like, what, 20-something? I don't even know. <clears throat> and uh, so I was just like, I don't care about shit, but I'm going to watch this movie because I'm bored. And then I was like, holy fuck, that was incredible. Because mm-hmm. it was. It was fantastic. It was all over the place. It's almost like you immediately want to rewatch it and that kind of thing. Like, so just as an intro, I thought it was really good for me. It worked really well for me. But then, you know, you hear about, like, the secret menu codes to watch in chronological order. Chronological order, And, like, I was always afraid to. And I was like, just maybe I shouldn't touch this one. I've yeah. never done it. Maybe no, I, yeah, maybe I should just let this one go. But so as a first, I mean, that was a really cool introduction for me. But it's not necessarily the one that I would choose as a favorite. Mm. 
or even that I choose to introduce other people to it. Like, you know, it's up there. But like Devin was saying, we all kind of like all of them at least a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's not like there's a big like strikeout, at least that I'm aware of. Like I haven't seen um, mm. some of the earlier ones. Like Insomnia, I haven't seen. Got to fix that. Yeah. Um, but favorite, um, I'm not really sure. I mean, like I really like The Dark Knight. And yeah, it's for all the cliche reasons because like Christian Bale kind of sucks as Batman and kind of sucks as Bruce Wayne. But Heath Ledger was good really good. He's a good, but he's not as he's not the he's no Adam West, man. Anyway, so <laughs> but um no, but seriously, that was the kind of you thing like so. it no, but I say Dark Knight was just sort of a cool self contained thing. So yeah. I think I like that. But at the same time, you know, Interstellar, I like the science and the requirements to sort of get into it. Um and but it was uh I want to say like I think my favorite might be Inception just because it's fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I also think that's a really good jumping off point just because it's fun. And you kind of like, they suspend your disbelief immediately with the weird government machine that's never explained. And you just go into it and you forget about that. You don't care that you forgot about it because it doesn't matter anymore. But you can just enjoy it. But it's also heavy and it also makes you feel smarter than you actually are because you're following this complex shit. But it doesn't actually mean anything at all. You're just taking some first year philosophy courses via the movie and that's sweet i think that's really awesome and that's the thing that's what's going to hook people in so then they might go watch something like the prestige or um memento and they might be like oh this is different enough and it's really cool or maybe the rest is disappointing but anyway so not to get too much into that we'll get there later yeah but i think for a favorite i i like inception just because it's sort of multifaceted but least least favorite probably inception because of the, just the fans of it like the way people praise it and it's say it's a love the, hate relationship yeah it's like oh. it bothers me it's just like i just kind of want to watch it and enjoy it and be like this is essentially like a vaguely intellectual pseudo-intellectual popcorn movie mm-hmm. whereas other people take it as gospel like fervent and like holy shit like you don't understand it change my life and i'm like that's unfortunate yeah we talked about that uh <laughs> in the fincher episode danny mm. where fincher would be good yeah where, good example where that, we yeah. we talked about fight club yeah. and all these yeah. uh you know Olympus upper class, class you know when fred nurse watched it 28 times <laughs> yeah just being like this is this is it's almost uh held up as a a a, a, a marker or an indicator on the timeline of the the uh, men's right movement, which mm-hmm, is just mm-hmm. fucking ridiculous. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, you had a lot of guys just deciding to, they liked one a- tiny aspect of that film, so they'd beat the hell out of each yeah, other. Yeah, they start their own fight club, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or less less common, but which still happened, was guys starting their own organized vandalism clubs like Project Mayhem right, and fucking right. shit up and getting mm-hmm. arrested. And, and then realizing they've missed the point. Getting so. out of jail <laughs> half a decade later. and <laughs> yeah. They can't rent the VHS of Fight Club anywhere because the world's moved on. <laughs> so sad. Yeah, and I, I feel as though both for for Nolan, I feel as though both Memento and uh, and and uh, Inception suffer from a similar uh, audience kind of uh, a, a space between the the creators and the audience in terms of like where they just threw it out there and said, "Make what you will of it." Well, I mean, and 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 they and their audience interprets it like you said as the gospel. Well, and that the... that's the thing. Like, I, I I think Nolan's really good at that. Where it's like, I wonder if he's putting something out there because he wants to see the extent of the subjectivity of his art, mm-hmm. or is he fucking with people? Being mm-hmm. like, you guys are gonna love this, and I'm gonna laugh at you, mm-hmm. and, or, and it's that kind of thing. But I mean, the other good example, and I think I've talked about this on previous episodes, was um, 
the fountain mm-hmm. was another one where it's just again purely open to subjective interpretation and sort of reconstruction because yeah. it's so fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think these are sort of a more popcorn version of that. Yeah. Um, but it's a really cool phenomenon. I think that's why I like Nolan, despite not really liking Nolan. Yeah, dude, I agree with you that many... both those films, yeah, Inception and Memento, it's like people will close watch them and they think that there's something, there's some kind of religious significance going yeah. on, like a serious. But with Memento, it's more like because of the lack of available information, it feels like it deserves to be studied. Whereas uh, with Inception and well, maybe with Inception as well. Well, is it interpolation versus extrapolation at that point? Where yeah. Memento is more like filling in the blanks to see what happened, whereas uh, Inception is more like, what does this mean as it applies to my life? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, people, yeah, Inception, the way that people talk about it, it's like, yeah, okay, it's, I can't really improve upon that. <laughs> no, but I, I, I like that idea. I never thought of it that but way. Both of them, <laughs> Memento and Inception, do suffer from that to an extent. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. More so than. So, Brandon, yeah, uh, first favorite, least favorite? Now, <laughs> I'm not certain anymore because I always thought my first was Memento. I thought that I got that as – well, I know I got it as a, a Christmas gift, mm. uh, not knowing what it was. I got a DVD and opened it up and watched it because it's it was a DVD. Um, <laughs> that's what you do with them. Yeah, that's what I do with them, yeah. But I, I, as you guys were talking, I'm thinking that maybe I saw Insomnia first because – I remember very clearly seeing that with my grandma um, because we were both Pacino fans and, and I've told the story many times mm. before that that was my summers. I would go and hang out with my grandparents and watch movies and my cousin and whatnot. And I, so I, I'm not certain. What I can tell you is that either way, um, I very much enjoyed uh, the experience. With Memento, I was very aware that it was a, a Nolan film uh, because of the buzz around it and whatnot. With Insomnia, I had no fucking idea mm. until years later mm. because it was, in all seriousness, it, it's Pacino and Robin <laughs> Williams. Uh, like anybody could have directed that. Yeah. Yeah. It's his most straightforward movie yeah. by far. The like plot they, is so simple. Yeah. yeah. It's like a cop with a dirty secret. He's in Alaska chasing oh, a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Pretty and, dirty. And either he can't sleep because of the daylight in Alaska, or he can't sleep because of his dirty secret. Yeah. Or both. And Whoa. Then, yeah. yeah. I was up in Churchill, Manitoba but once, then and it was daylight more. all the time, and I, I can relate to mm-hmm. dirty secrets and mm. 24-hour sunlight. Anyway, yeah. sorry. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Is that what you were saying? No. Well, in that <laughs> film, there's yeah. there's even, there's there's once once robin williams character the novelist gets involved in the whole right plot and so that that was your intro yeah so i'm not certain which one came first but i know Mm. they were writing around the same time and and i while i was aware that nolan directed one i wasn't aware that he directed the the latter film uh insomnia um my favorite uh, it's one of those things where I, i gotta concur with devin that it's the prestige. I think that one sits under the under the radar for a lot of people because of where it fell chronologically. Like I said, it fell oh, between yeah. Batman oh, and, yeah. and an X-Men or Wolverine film. And it's frustrating to me that a lot of people didn't see it because they, they just they they, they, what was, they were waiting for the next Batman movie. What was the other the the, the Paul Giamatti mag, magician movie? Yeah, that came it came out at the same, same time? time, The Illusionist with uh with uh Edward Norton. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I was just trying to remember things. Yeah, uh, that's another reason too. I think a lot of people yeah, think that I they're mean, the like, same yeah. fucking movie. Huge reason why. Yeah, yeah. it's like Deep Impact and Armageddon coming out at the same month. <laughs> yeah. Like, Did anybody see Deep Impact? Also, Deep Impact, Deep Impact <laughs> sounds like a porno. I picked so. Deep Impact. It is. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I concur. I also picked Deep Impact, <laughs> but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> you watched it with your grandma? Aww. No. <laughs> Although, you know, in all seriousness, I have yeah. a really bad story about that. I once rented... Uh, uh, I didn't know, and like my grandpa would just pay for whatever yeah, we yeah. were renting when we were kids. Yeah, you go to the And store. I rented, I loved Tales from the Crypt, right? So oh, I no. rented Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. Oh, yeah. But I was yeah. so young that yeah. I didn't know What's what a bordello, bordello? was. Yeah. <laughs> so when I got home and my grandma saw the cover, she's like, oh, no. And then, of course, she had to explain to me what a bordello was. Mm-hmm. And, and grown ups don't love each other very much. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. <laughs> And and then of course like the first tit comes out and she's just there are so many her hands in go that up film. in the air yeah, yeah. It's just, uh, I just just watch it whatever I don't really I don't even know what to do here <laughs> that explains so much well no because she <laughs> the thing is at that point I wasn't so young that I hadn't seen no a you're not like before. five plus like, but... yeah but uh, <laughs> also it's it's tales from the crypt so yeah, it's not like yeah. it's still pretty funny and stuff like Dennis Miller's in that one yeah so it's, it's like it's it's safer than softcore <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. We didn't stay up and watch blue movies. We fucking right. We watched Tales from the Crypt. Okay, you don't have to justify yeah. it. That's cool. But anyway. in any in any case, yeah, my favorite. It's it's hard to say. I because I don't really love anyone other other than maybe Prestige and maybe The Dark Knight. Mm. Um, I have a fondness for the following, but it's a weird fondness. Um, I don't think the acting is great in that film. So I'm going to go The Prestige. I think it's probably the best all-around movie in his catalog and the most effective twist that he has in his catalog because he does have that quality where he builds up a hero. I thought it was a cheap twist. No, but <laughs> okay. But here's the thing: he does it in every film. He does it in yeah, The Dark yeah, yeah. Knight with, uh, At, with no, uh, he... Eckhart. He does it in... Oh, yeah. uh, uh, obviously, to a certain extent, insomnia. He does in a lot of films where, like, he'll build up a hero. Yeah. So you think that they're a hero, and they yeah. either turn into an anti-hero or a straight villain. I say he's way better at the twist. Than, memento than... as well. Yeah. 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 yeah well, I said memento. Did you? Yeah. You said. Try listening to me. You did, I, I, th- I thought you said you insomnia. Headphones Pretty on. sure you said the following. Oh, maybe? did I? I don't yeah, know. Okay. Who fucking cares? You didn't say memento. <laughs> no, so right. I apologize. <laughs> but no, I mean that's the thing. It's I like pointing at it. I'm pointing at memento. I said insomnia. But regardless, like you know, something versus like. Abrams and his mystery box approach, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. so transparent and and, and and just like is that Fincher too? What's in the box? <laughs> What's well, literal? <laughs> Holy shit! What's in the box? It's Gwyneth Paltrow's yeah. head. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah. For retroactive. Anyway, yeah. but uh, but no, but I mean, that twenty was the... years spoiler alert. <laughs> But um, but yeah, no, you're right. He does do it a lot better because you don't know him for that. You know him for his structure. You know him for mm-hmm. you know his his his. Something we haven't touched on yet was him, you know, sort of retooling and and experimenting with old techniques, yep. like cinematic techniques and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That's what I like. Where it's like Abrams is like, you wish you were Spielberg, and you come up with twists. Whereas, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm generalizing yeah. very broad strokes here. Don't take this as my. I think like, that belief, Abrams but... actually borrows a lot more from '70s culture than oh, yeah. than from like a Spielberg catalog. Sure, but in, I mean, in, like, all, uh, in all seriousness, I don't. Uh, I, think I think that Spielberg could get yeah. a lot, a, a lot away with a lot more, yeah. because of his repertoire than mm-hmm. Abrams can. Yeah, and 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 as his status as a legendary. Oh, for sure. Filmmaker, and that's the thing. And I mean, but, like, I guess the the comparisons to Spielberg are probably just a coincidence of when Spielberg came up. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. So no, I I, I accept that. And I how? agree with that. But it's more so. It's just like you look at somebody like Abrams or somebody who has like, uh, like even a Shyamalan kind of thing where they mm. not to put them in the same realm. But just say yeah, they have their sort of hallmark, their own sort of <laughs> trademark. Whereas with uh, that's this is I'm just realizing this now, but this is something I appreciate about Christopher Nolan in that even though he does it every time, yeah, it's not the defining factor, you yeah. know, or the defining quality of it. It's not like oh, who's it going to be? You're like, 
well, this is cool and I'm engaged. And then, oh, right, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's good when you, when you don't think about it, when you don't go in waiting for it. But you kind of know what's there and you're still sort of surprised, you know? Yep. No, that's good. I, I like that. And um, when you invest in – what I like about his twist is that he does it through the character, through the, not mm-hmm. through the story. He does it mm-hmm. most of the time through the character, mm-hmm. so you can invest in a character and then either be heartbroken or pleased with the results. And so with The Prestige, so, that's, that's sort of what you're getting at yeah. as the favorite. It was because that you're, particular... you're cheering for Hugh Jackman, and then at, right at the end, you're like, oh, fuck. Fuck that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy hard. Fuck his science. Like, where's Christian Bale? <laughs> we gotta break that motherfucker's brother out of jail. Yeah, dog. Like, <laughs> Wait, he has a brother? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Um, oh, so your least favorite. Least favorite. Yeah, probably rises as well. Even though I think it has better rewatch value than Begins, Begins is still a better film. Uh, I I don't know. I, can't, I, I will never rewatch Memento, but I know it's a fantastic film. <laughs> but I will never ever rewatch. Well, you got to rewatch it for that uh, for that ending, which is technically the middle. <clears throat> I've seen uh-huh. it about ten times. <laughs> I think that's enough. I have the fucking DVD, and it's just gonna collect dust until. What a soundtrack! Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah great rises. soundtrack. <laughs> no, that that no, comes. No, I know that haven't like... happened yet. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so let's take a little break, <laughs> sure. gather our thoughts, come back, and uh, Danny, you're gonna kick us off. All right, so we're going to come back and try and decide, probably not, uh, which is the best Christopher Nolan film to watch first. Okay, so just a quick thank you to everyone who's been uh, emailing in over the last week. Their choices for a director of the next Ninja Turtles films. There's been some really interesting choices, uh, some more than others, you know. Uh, (laughs) Some weird ones in there, but with really cool reasoning, and I like it. Um, We had so much fun doing it. We're going to have to revisit the Turtles again. We've been talking about doing another uh, go-around a comic book month sometime in the first part of next year. So when we get back to that, maybe we'll talk some more Turtles. Until then, please uh, reach out to us on social media, and uh, and continue talking Ninja Turtles with us. I've never listened to so much Yak Kid K in my life. Okay, so we're back. And Danny, my friend, you're up first. Which film are you nominating as the film that a newcomer to Christopher Nolan should watch first? Okay, this is a tough one. Right now, it's somewhere between Memento and Inception. Uh, the one thing working against Memento is, uh, like the fan, like Devin was talking before we are on the air about uh, the Game of Thrones fans and how it's, it can sometimes be intimidating to get into that show because they're so voracious about it. And Memento has that kind of fan base. Um one thing I didn't mention about Memento before is uh, just uh, the cast, Joe Pantoliano and uh, Carrie M. Moss and Mark Boone Jr. <laughs> as the uh, the guy working at the motel who rents Leonard two rooms because yeah. he won't remember. Yeah. <laughs> but then he cops to it. So you're like, <laughs> he cops to it, yeah. You won't remember anyway. And Guy Pearce like, well, at least you're being honest about ripping, ripping me off. <laughs> and I love the line at the very end of Memento when he's driving to get uh, yet another tattoo and he's like, I have to believe in a world outside my own mind. Mind. It's a great line, but uh, as far Sorry, as so you're like, nominating Memento, no. As far as just um, 
uh, pure like popcorn appreciation, the cinematic sweep of it, I I would say Inception. That's the movie somebody should watch first. Hang on a second here. Stealing my shit, man. Yeah, that's not your pick. Your pick <laughs> is, is it? Memento. Oh, I thought you said I had to like pick two different things, like uh, first <laughs> and favorite, and then nominate a film that well, someone no, should that, watch that first. Was, that was the first segment. Yeah. Isn't this a completely different thing? <laughs> yes. So you can pick a different film. No? <laughs> if you want to do that, I'll take something we, else. That's we, fine. <laughs> we fucking talked about this, dude. That's why I ended up with insomnia. I thought that was for the first segment. <laughs> no. Okay, well then, yeah. If I'm picking Memento, just cut out what I said. <laughs> this is the debate. No, I get that. Yeah, I thought that was for uh, something else. Like, I thought that was for, for, like, favorites. Okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would, yeah, sure. I can, I could easily defend <laughs> Memento as the first one you should watch. Just chronologically, I mean, like, I haven't seen any of these earlier Apprentice works of him. I don't know what you the following You haven't seen the is, following? Oh, you know? it's great. You should check it out. It's black and white. Similar kind of thing. Oh, where well, that the, makes everything better. Where the timeline. No, well, <laughs> I'm I know. Kidding, I'm, I'm kidding, just I'm saying kidding. it's a harder point of entry, but um, it, it's kind of like this. Uh, <clears throat> basically, the gist of it is. Um, this this ne'er do well writer, if I'm not mistaken, um, encounters this kind of uh, interest. Well, he first of all, he's he's kind of obsessed with this woman. You learn that first uh, that uh, he meets in a club, and uh, but I don't know where the hell it sits in the story. I can't remember. But um, long story short, or, uh, that happens after. So I'm already botching this. But uh, <laughs> um, basically. Uh, he meets this character, this interesting, eccentric kind of guy who breaks into people's houses and gets like insight into their life, mm-hmm. and and then takes things from them. Obviously. She sounds pretty good. I should check that out. Yeah, did that even come out in North America? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I, I have the divot around here somewhere. Oh wow. Okay. Well, yeah. I, yeah I'll yeah, pick Memento. It, it, no it's problem. it's a really it's good like... it's a really good film uh, because it, again, it's got that. It's very much is similar to Memento. It very much is like a precursor to Memento in terms of that uh, non-linear story, non-linear storytelling, and also um, the idea of uh, a character who goes down a road despite his better judgment or the judgment that's available to him. So right. it's very much similar to say, for example, what happens with uh, um, Leonard and and uh, I can't think of Carrie and Moss's character, but uh, Natalie, I Natalie, think. yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, well, I'll nominate Memento for that. I mean, like, it, it's a great example. It has all the hallmarks of what he would later go on to do, which is, you know, the examination of the fabric of time. He really takes a cleaver to the exposition. It's just basically the the most important points. There's very little frivolousness. And of obviously <coughs> the atmospheric <laughs> brooding soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Almost yeah, really overwhelming at yeah. some point. But a yeah, precursor. <laughs> yeah, just those sighing strings and the... Yeah, that's me. Well, keep going. <laughs> well, I mean, okay. So why, let, let's dedicate a few on. minutes to it. Yeah. yeah like. So why is it a good film for people to watch first? Uh, let's see. Lot probably. Uh, I think it's one of it. It is your first one that you saw, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, the that the opening shot is so jarring. I mean, I won't ruin it, but it's a close up on an extremely violent act as a uh, photograph, a Polaroid comes into focus. It's probably his shortest movie. I think it's 90 minutes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty relentless. Mm-hmm. It's also, I think people really enjoy, um, at least I do, I like seeing an actor for the first time. I had never seen Guy Pierce before. I mm-hmm. hadn't seen L.A. Confidential. I saw it way after Memento. It's fun to be introduced to a new actor. 
as far as the, obviously like in Memento, people weren't like, oh, that's Guy Pierce from LA Confidential. They were like, hey, it's that girl from The Matrix. Right. Everyone I know who oh, saw yeah, that yeah. said that because oh, The absolutely. Matrix had just come out. Because yep. nobody knew who she was before that. Yeah. And she's great. I oh, mean, yeah. I don't really know what else she's done since. She, yeah, she's in she's Jessica Jones. Jessica now? Jones, yeah. Oh. She's great. And she did a crossover episode in the last season of Daredevil. Daredevil yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. And Joe Pantoliano's performance in getting Memento. That, getting that Disney money. That got him. <laughs> <laughs> that got him hired for The Sopranos, the season two three arc, or three, yeah, three, which four. is fantastic. Oh, he's so good. That's amazing. He's a. Uh, I mean, and you can see another little... Matrix alum, by the way, in Pantleano yeah. as well. Oh, that's right. He's Cypher, yes, yeah. yes. And I mean, you can see Risky little glimpses business. of that. I mean, in the scene in Memento where uh, Joe Pantaleon Teddy he tells Leonard that, yeah, I've been using you for years, getting you to kill these guys thinking it's taking revenge for your wife, but I just make a little action on the side. Yeah. <laughs> but cheer up, you know? There's plenty of John G's for us to find. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find another one. It's okay. So good. Yeah, I, I have a fondness for this film, but like I said in the first segment, I, I don't think I will ever watch this movie again. I watched it a lot when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um and maybe I fell victim to what you were alluding to earlier, Brent, in that kind of fanboy, this well, is the greatest thing yeah, ever. You'd never seen anything thing. like yeah. it, so it was you know, seminal and important, even yeah. on a personal level, right? Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of critics comparing it to a, a Tarantino style of storytelling, which I even at the time made me laugh, because it's not like Tarantino was the first guy to ever tell a non-linear but exactly. story. It, but there was like it another time. me that he's credited for that. You but, know? Yeah. Thing, but there's and no also, better point of reference in terms of you know the popular culture, the zeitgeist. At yeah. that, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that in every no, episode. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, don't um, worry. I'll no, get go on. Some con- <laughs> subcontextually in somewhere. <laughs> don't worry. And I, I say, um, what's the other one that people have emailed me about? Someone emailed me that I say at all. I don't say at all. A T O L L. Like we're talking Waterworld now. <laughs> yep. Atoll. And and also uh, they pointed out that I always say uh, in all seriousness. I, I That's because that we're all fucking yeah. chuckleheads. <laughs> but sorry, we're going. Yeah. Um, so in all seriousness. <laughs> well, a this, lot of this, those movies have fallen. Like a movie that is structurally bold like Memento or mm-hmm. something like Requiem for a Dream. And I'm only mm-hmm. talking about the Aronofsky, the close-ups of yeah, certain things. Like yeah. people were like, whoa, I have not seen that before. Some of those still do hold up despite the fact that the structures aren't aren't that Mm. Inter- like interestingly, I just think it's new really bold just, just as a quick aside. But you, like all the, the sort of the, the close-ups and the gore and that kind of like not hyper realism, but just kind of like, whoa, I've never seen that before. Does that not harken back to like John Crick Falusi mm-hmm. and like you know like the Ren and Stimpy just close up of like their arm and like the and that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just... I wanted to <laughs> ask you about the um, the if you thought it was an effective tool to use whenever you see Leonard in his hotel room and he's doing the narrative parts of the film. Uh, he it's in black and white mm-hmm. versus the other, mm-hmm. uh, which, which helps helps the audience. For me, it helped me as a teenager kind of um, grasp where we were in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're trying to piece it together as yeah. you're watching. Yeah, it, it, it's it's an effective tool, but I wonder if it was a little bit uh, of a spoon feed, so to speak. Like yeah, you like know, a little uh, like breadcrumb trail or yeah. like holding your hand, whatever. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't. We, first, we don't even know who he's talking to on the phone. We assume it's Teddy, yeah. but he's basically telling the viewer every single one of his problems and how he manages them. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I tattoo things on my body. I can make my life manageable. Like without that, it would still work. 
it was just tough to place it in the narrative. Okay, he's still wearing a flannel shirt in the motel room, so it's before he kills Natalie's boyfriend, I think. Because when he steals, when he kills Natalie's boyfriend, he steals the car and he steals the clothes mm. because he forgets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. he forgets that he killed the man. So he wears the clothes and then goes to the bar where she works. works. <laughs> She's like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> so yeah, I do agree with you. Yeah, uh, the, it, it's almost like he's hold uh, he's holding our hand a little too tightly. Mm-hmm. Maybe if there was half as much, which he doesn't do with the following. I think if you if you like Memento, you should go back and watch the following. Don't expect a lot out of it because it is a first film. It is a low budget film, but there's it's it, and 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 I have trouble with some of the acting, mm. but it, it's a really good story. And if you just are invested in the story it's it's definitely worth a watch i will i mean i take great pleasure in going back and watching uh great directors very early works like i Mm. saw all of paul thomas anderson's movies and then i finally went back and watched heart eight oh really yeah and seeing it for the first time after seeing every single other one of his movies was like a pretty cool it's trip. cool because i could see seeds for everything that he was going to do yeah mm. and things he would not and ever do yeah would never do <laughs> now that's what's great yeah yeah, yeah. and an apprentice so piece many sort of, of those. Yeah. yeah and that's the thing so then in the, in the context of an introduction i mean like how does because like i was saying before like with memento it was the first one that i saw and as an introduction it clearly worked for me it, it gave me a foundation of sort of like respect and reverence for what he does um, but in terms of recommending that to someone else, like, I don't know that that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know. Like, I, I guess when, it, when we have these sort of conversations, I'm thinking yeah. in terms of, you know, general audience. I'm yeah. thinking in terms of like, if you're going to sit someone down and say, watch this. This is an important like, body. Why, why that one, Danny? Yeah. I guess because like I said, in spite of the fact that it seems like now it's less impressive because of the nonlinear or because of the backwards moving chronology, mm. it still holds up as emotionally resonant. Mm-hmm. Especially Absolutely. because of uh Pierce's performance. Um oh, yeah. how it ends in the middle. We know exactly where it's going to go and it just feels so hopeless. Mm. You know, when Leonard walks into that tattoo shop and we know exactly yeah. we've seen exactly what happens after that. That's what I love about it. It well, doesn't end on any kind of amb- ambiguous note where, oh, what's going to happen to Leonard now? Is he going to go to a new town? It's like, oh, we know what's going to happen. And, it's a, and yeah. it's a really interesting take on that kind of thing. Like any movie that starts with in medias res or, you know, like that kind of thing. Or it's like, this is like, uh, we, we were talking about uh, Hannibal during the break. In the beginning yeah. of season two, it shows Hannibal and Lawrence Fishburne fighting. And then that doesn't actually happen until 10 episodes later. Yep. You have no idea how it's going to get there and what's happening and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And this is just, you know, I guess a, a, a really... A more a, a, yeah, a, exactly. A really interesting <laughs> twist on, on an old cliche. Yep. Right? And um, it's like, it is really funny when people don't remember things, And but he didn't go for the comedy too much. He only yeah. did it twice that I can remember. Yeah. There's the scene where... In media, he's running and he's like, "What am I doing? What am I? Oh, I'm chasing somebody." <laughs> and the guy that, yeah. pulls a gun. Oh, he's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> and then a little later in the movie, he comes to and he's holding a bottle. He was going to hit a man with it. He's in a motel bathroom holding mm-hmm. a bottle. And he's like, "Strange, I don't feel yeah, yeah, drunk." Yeah, I remember that. Because <laughs> you didn't drink it. You don't remember? Oh yeah, right. Your memory, man. You don't remember anything. <laughs> So, I mean, he could have done that pretty much every single time it went back. Some kind of joke, you know. That, yeah, you know, you're right. Like, keep it, keeping, like, like a steady hand in terms of how you present that sort of stuff. That's, uh... no, I like that. That's good. Again, like, a, a new respect for me for that kind of thing. Because, like, you're tempted to look at it just as, like, wow, that's really clever. But then when you do look at it much more critically, like like you're doing right now, you start to realize, like, shit, he's actually really, really good at this. And for, like, a third movie... Like that's a great coming out party, crazy or second crazy movie. Good. Sorry, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, second, yeah, full length. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I feel like that's the kind of movie somebody makes way later in their career usually. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it I was would... getting a lot of comparisons to Pulp Fiction, which technically is is uh, Tarantino's third mm-hmm. film. Technically, yes. Technically, be- their third script. You know, are you so, counting True uh, Romance yeah. or my? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and and I I don't subscribe to that by the way because obviously one is a series of vignettes that somewhat tie together, and that n- telling that nonlinear is fairly rudimentary frankly like, yeah. and then this is is a completely different thing with the intent of disorienting the audience right like mm-hmm. look at that next to magnolia where it's this epic thing that's going to tie together in some weird biblical way mm-hmm. versus this where it is very sort of rooted in a manufactured reality but still it's it's believable that yes, suspension is belief is very easy yep you know to mm-hmm. achieve mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the beautiful anonymity of a motel room i i like that about it it shows the transience of his life it'd be mm-hmm. much worse if he was staying at natalie's and had a yeah. stable home life mm-hmm. he's always going from motel room to motel room and they look so similar that you mm-hmm. as a viewer aren't entirely sure if he's at a new one mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it's just. I mean, I, I I made a couple friends watch it a few years ago, and half the room was like, "That's nowhere near as good as I remembered," and the mm. other half was like, "That's just as good as I remembered, <laughs> if not more." So yeah. yeah, I can see why people would think it's less impressive now, but not to me. Right on. But yeah, so I mean, just contextualizing like that, like as an introduction, I, I can support that insofar as even though his other movies don't necessarily do the same thing, or they do it in a very different way, like. This was an argument I made with Kubrick with um, uh, Clockwork Orange, where it was just like, if you can get through that and you appreciate it, you're going to enjoy the rest of the body of work. Oh, you argued for Clockwork Orange? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, like, I, was nice. like, I was like, at the end, it was like, you know, it, when they, when they like, pry his eyes open and make him watch and it changes him, like, that's pretty much what Kubrick is doing to you with a Clockwork Orange. That's He's... great. That's great. I like that. Mm-hmm. No, go listen to that episode, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I will. A, yeah, go listen to our Watch More Stanley Kubrick episode. In the meantime, yeah. Devin, what's your pick, my friend? Um... So I, I I went with the prestige, um, and it's um, I think I think honestly more um, just because you know for for a first time uh, watcher it's it's frankly an easy one <laughs> like it's, it's I agree absolutely it's just a lot of fun um, you know a period piece usually is I don't know great great cast fantastic oh, cast yeah. um. And and it is, it, it, you know, like a like a popcorn movie, like a proper, mm-hmm. you know, kind of theater movie. Um, uh, I'd say, you know, besides um, the the Batman series, probably the easiest for just about anybody to get into. I'd, you know? like, I'd argue it's easier than Batman, you know, like Batman's a little esoteric because you're going to get the comic nerds or the true, people true. who are looking for the nostalgia and that kind of thing. Whereas the prestige is kind of for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, because I mean, I mean, you go to something, something like Inception or Memento or like Interstellar. Um, that's not for everyone. Yeah, Interstellar. Yeah. It's it's like there's there's something there for certain types of people, but I think um, the prestige is is like removed enough that anybody can can. I don't. I don't even know if I knew that the prestige was a Christopher Nolan movie. Actually, mm-hmm. same kind yeah. of effect I had with Insomnia. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not know Insomnia was an auteur director. I, it could have been anybody <laughs> making that movie, like you said, Brent. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, the Prestige, like I, I, um, I kind of, I, I, I like um, just like a, a full cast of antiheroes. Almost there's like there's yeah. nobody who you really like in this entire movie. Um, you know the the um, 
both of their uh, their their kind of obsession in in this rivalry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're like one guy is like, I gotta figure out his secrets. Like, I hope you figure out his secrets because he's clearly cheating. And then you're like, but he's a magician. Yeah. I hope you don't figure out his secrets. <laughs> it is. But so then like Tesla shows up and like, figure out science. Yeah. yeah. And then like it just gets weird. But you're you don't know who to really cheer for. It's a cool kind of conflict for the audience to you know wrestle with. Absolutely. And it's uh, you bring up Tesla, and I love that one of my favorite uh, parts of Against the Day. Uh, <laughs> Pinchon, one of his California. Or is that one of his California? No, it's one of his big global sweeps. Sorry, yeah, 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 because it's the uh, Chums of Chance and all that shit. Really good book. (laughs) Other than that weird, like, uh, uh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to go into that, but I always love the inclusion of characters like Tesla, like uh, Franz Ferdinand and so Mm -hmm. forth in those, Mm -hmm. uh, in in his, in that book. Uh, Because I felt like, even though that was a grandiose world, I could I could find pieces of uh, uh, I could ground myself in this crazy crazy world, and it's the same thing with um with with the prestige where you have a character like David Bowie's Tesla <laughs> that that is just this almost larger than life figure in the film in terms of this this guy who's basically giving uh the the answer to all of Hugh Jackman's questions to him but at the same time you know that this character is rooted in 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 um in real life and what's interesting is of course it parodies the lore which society yeah, this, has this given to Tesla in legend, real life like yeah. You no, know, and that's the thing. It's almost like a fan, like a Tesla fan service. It's like, yeah. no, he really was that fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when he first shows up, that scene where he first shows up and he sees the entire city at night lit up. It's like, that's such a fucking cool moment, man. Yeah. 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 I, no I shocked elephants in this one. They kept Edison <laughs> in his, uh, his, his, uh, cheesy, like, uh, fuck Tesla ways. His accusations. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, I love I love the fact that um that you're you're um kind of handed uh the twist and you you think it's going one way yeah. like you and you know you you kind of suspect uh, I won't spoil it I I guess but you kind of suspect it is mm-hmm. exactly what it what it ends up being mm-hmm. but they they give you this whole tesla side oh, yeah, like they hide exactly. it so well like, red herrings like you wouldn't believe but then the red herrings exactly kind of, what it ends up being but the red herrings pan out like, <laughs> well, okay. well like when you realize what's going on you're like oh my god that's the grossest thing ever and then the other part of you is like oh my god that's the most wicked thing ever yeah. <laughs> well but i mean just just the simple answer yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for how it's being yeah. done is is like of course of course that's, of course how, he's that's doing how he's doing it. it um but but it takes you on this whole uh um this whole side uh mm-hmm. adventure to meet tesla and you know you find out that the the um the machine doesn't exist but then he's like well i maybe I'll put one together for yeah. you <laughs> I don't know. let's figure it out uh i i love um just uh, you know they they you kind of lose all uh uh lose all your faith in Tesla when like they're just they're zapping this hat and nothing's happening <laughs> he's just like well i guess it doesn't work <laughs> they find this pile of hats just like yeah that was cool actually. like a, a you know 100 meters the outside of the lab or whatever yep. uh, it's, it's uh 
It's just it's just fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think a lot of a lot of um, Nolan's other work is maybe too brooding, maybe too um, for you know for somebody who's just getting getting into it. They're all pretty pretty intense watches, mm. um, and I feel like this one is just like a nice light like you know. Yeah, and I like the. Um... Because you you mentioned it's not as brooding, and I think a very big part of that for particularly um, the the you know the the magician that that's played by uh, Bale mm-hmm. is that because uh, I can't think of his name. I'm so sorry. I'm ruining your your argument here, so I apologize. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, is the relationship with the daughter? Mm-hmm. It 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 makes everything that he does completely worthwhile, mm-hmm. and that's so cool. Yeah, and also that great scene in the prison. <laughs> with the handcuffs so good man <laughs> but yeah no that's I, I i i can agree with that where it's just like that's sort of the safe answer not to take away your choice because i think no, there, yeah. there's there's uh value in that of just like if you like this wait till you see what else he did yeah mm-hmm. you know that's a good point yeah and it certainly is the least brooding i mean i remember an insomnia there's these it keeps going back to this cut of a piece of fabric and the threads are filling up with blood. It like does that 10 times throughout insomnia. Like just remember this movie's about, you know, blood and bad guys <laughs> doing things. No, like, but that... I feel like Nolan would never do that now, that insomnia thing. Well, I we're, hope we're going to get to this. <laughs> but I think that that actually does serve a purpose because it's supposed to be well, it's it's a visual representation of his guilt. While I agree yep. with you that he wouldn't do it anymore. It is literally a, a translation of the internal affairs investigation going yes. on. So yeah. there, there, I think that there's context for that. Also, you have to realize the other films that were coming out at the time, very much doing this. You referenced Hannibal Off-Air. Um, we'll get to that. But like Silence of the Lambs and those films were kind of staples of, of that mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the the crime, the 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 almost uh, supernatural killer mm-hmm. until the ending kind of thing with the, when it's revealed that he's just... A man mm-hmm. was taken from being a, a slasher premise to being a, a, a crime thriller kind of premise, which is interesting. But in any case, we'll get to that. Brent, uh, or actually, no, you know what? Let's go to break. We'll come back in a second, and Brent and I will nominate our films for first Nolan film to watch. However you're taking part in this episode, please don't forget to leave comments, share, reach out to us so we can keep the conversation going. All right, so we're back, and Brent, what's your film, sir? Uh, I chose my favorite and least favorite, <laughs> Inception. Um, Respect. <laughs> just because, I mean, I'm conflicted, and I mean, yeah, that's totally, like, personal experience and just, you know, talking to friends and enemies alike about it. No, I don't actually have any enemies that I know of. But uh, you were going to say I don't actually have any friends. <laughs> well, that 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 I'll too. be your friend, Brent. <laughs> yeah. No, you won't. Don't 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 patronize <laughs> me. It's that he doesn't allow friends. It's not that he doesn't wow. have people offering to be his friend. So let's talk about me for a while. <laughs> no, but um <laughs> but the thing is just with Inception, I mean well, like we haven't it was, seen you in a bit. So it's, it's true, you know. I was in come Van- back more. I was in Vancouver and I was doing stuff and things. We'll talk about that when it's relevant, which is not during the podcast. <laughs> um yeah, hi, I'm Brent. You can find this me at the- twice yeah. twice ice on Twitter. We'll have a conversation about what I was doing in Vancouver. Anyway, <laughs> this is our show. We can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> But uh, but no, Inception, though, that was the thing. This happened last time, too. I tried to start talking about something. We just got completely <laughs> sidetracked and started laughing. Anyway, 
And I was like, cut that. And you're like, yeah, I'll totally cut it. And then he didn't cut it. <laughs> anyway, so, um, no, Inception, I remember watching it and thinking, this is incredible. I love this. This is so cool. And I think it's sort of the next step in. Like, if you were to start with um, uh, The Prestige, I think Inception would be the logical next step. You know, like, if you're starting on sort of the easy Hollywood introduction, then go to this, where it becomes a little more overtly mind-blowing throughout. Mm. And then maybe Memento and Batman and all and Interstellar and that kind of thing to see how invested you actually are. But I'd almost jump the prestige, assuming that if somebody's introducing you to this and you're into movies and you're into thinking, um, then Inception sort of becomes that because it does challenge you in a way similar to Memento, in a way similar to the prestige where you're trying to figure it out as you go. But because it's all happening at the exact same time, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like what order did it happen? It's like this is all literally happening. So you're trying to bend time, right? Yeah. And and that kind of thing. Um, very successfully. Yeah, and it's just and it's one of those ones where it really challenges the audience in a way that I like to be challenged. Um so I just I, I think when it when it brings you in like that, it, it it also sort of separates the people, as we we're talking about before, who are like, This is a brilliant popcorn suspension of disbelief film and other people it's like this is my new religion <laughs> you know and i think you can almost use that to sort of suss out you know who your friends and enemies are mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man but uh but no that was the thing and and i guess i was saying before what hurt me was people who were just so into it and it's just like you're filling in the blanks with evidence that doesn't exist you know, you're you're being subjective and presenting it as fact. And I always had a problem with that. But at the same time, I appreciated that these people loved it and they became Nolan fans. So this is just such a good way to not only figure out what kind of fan you are, but to create new fans oh, in absolutely. general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it absolutely gets my vote, even though it's not my favorite movie movie, even though it's not even anywhere near my top 10. Mm. It's still a great introduction to this body of work. You know, Um I yeah. think as an intro, that's yeah. good. But I mean, yeah. like, let's let's, it's, let's um, riff on this. Yeah, it, I wanted to tell the story, and you started to off air, Danny, when we were on tour together. I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, the day that this film came out, mm. and we had gone into town. We were staying a bit out of town. We had gone into town to I, I buy gear or something. Like we had, we needed equipment for some reason. Mm. And uh, we went into town, and I, we saw this huge theater with a huge poster, like Inception. And I'm like, we should just go to a movie. We don't have to play for, like, however many hours. And these guys were all like, no, no, that's not fucking happening. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I always remember Inception is is that I had this irrational um, desire when I got home to see it right away. Mm. Because my friends had, like... <laughs> they wouldn't let you? <laughs> ...put the brakes on. We yeah. would have gone. I just remember uh, being pretty broke yeah right i think that's what was the reason like we didn't have a lot of money i think but in at any, the time yeah well, you guys were on tour for how long like six, six weeks. weeks yeah six something weeks. like that but it, it was uh it, it, so i always have trouble putting this film into context between uh that initial the excitement that came with the first viewing mm-hmm. which was weeks later mm-hmm. uh and and then uh, the actual enjoyment I get out of the film, I always have a lot of trouble reconciling it. So I'm really hard. Like I'm a bad person to talk about this film to because it's got this nostalgia about it. Yeah, I've yeah. got this nostalgia about the longing for it. Yeah, it's uh, the you know I want the one I can't have to like to quote <laughs> Morrissey or something like that. But <laughs> you know, uh, and it's driving me mad. 
<laughs> but yeah, like uh, it, so, it's it's hard for me to put it in context. But I I know it's a quality film. I I don't know, man. First watch though, this is this is this is one that it, it is good because you get introduced to his current era like mm-hmm. regular players in terms of, like Tom Hardy and mm-hmm. um what's the gentleman's name? I can't believe uh that I can't think of it that played uh, the kind of surrogate Rachel Ghoul in the film. Um, Ken Tanaka. Is that his name? Is this the wealthy guy? Yeah. Trying to make yeah, it with yeah, his yeah, father? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what that no. <laughs> Oh, dude. I can picture him, but I can't. Yeah, I look it up. Yeah, but in any case... I so. mean, even this, like this, the, like the whole renaissance of uh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? Like yeah. this was instrumental to that, yeah, wasn't he's it? Also, yeah, yeah, he's also been in a couple of Nolans. Yeah, it was uh, 500 Days of Summer. Looper in this one, I think, helped contribute. Mm. Maybe Hesher, which I didn't like. But with this movie, like I feel like... That third dream level. Ken Watanabe, by the way. There you go. I didn't even get to looking it up yet. It just (laughs) popped into my head. You know, I think it's the one where they're in the Arctic compound. Is that the third dream level? Yep. Where once you get to that point in the film, there is so much at stake. Mm -hmm. If you're holding it together as a viewer, you're like, it really is thrilling the first time you see that. Because you're like, if this doesn't come together, everybody's in deep, deep shit. That's what I was saying. I, I don't know if I said it on air earlier or not but it was just one of those things where when everything's an incredible slow motion and the the horns are going (laughs) and it's just like you're just sitting there like nothing's happening you're watching a car go slowly off a bridge for like minutes and you're just like oh my god oh my god oh my god just like because you if you've held it together and you know what's going on Yeah. at this point the van is pretty much touching the water (laughs) yeah and like you're running out of time dude (laughs) yeah yeah and so like to have it all be about this guy just trying to you know uh, establish a relationship with his father yeah. <laughs> is kind of bold, I think. Like, But it works. Because just Christopher like Nolan's always trying to be like... You're not unhappy like, about it. He's always trying to be like, look at all these you know, levels and physical... Yeah. Look at all the, these the feats of ingenuity. But really, this is a human story. Aww. And isn't that Aww. all what we're really Aww. after, you know? Yeah. Aww. Episode over. He's, he's not that coldly <laughs> cerebral, even though Inception, there's like so many tricks to that that mm. have been just like the Matrix. Yeah. Really made fun of and really ridiculed and you know, the walking on the wall mm. in the in the hotel hallway, mm. Joseph Gordon Levitt. Cool scene though. Yeah. And I love the ending, the cliffhanger. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta do that. Yep. If the th- if the top stops spinning, like we don't wanna see that. No, and, and that's mm. the thing, and it's just like I Oh man, totally lost my train of thought. Um, okay, well, I'm yeah, just going to talk gone. about Marion Cotillard. Yeah. She's like the greatest. Uh, I, I love her character in this film. I, I, I love from the very first time you see her to when you see, quote unquote, the real version of her. Um, uh, it's just uh, one, because the the way that they lay out the story of them, that's totally is the kind of love and the kind of woman that would haunt your dreams, if I may say, as a mm. as a you know, as absolutely a ma- yeah. male. Yeah. Uh, if 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 I they did a great job of um synopsizing what you know almost like undying love could be and but to an extent that it was like um it was also irrational for Cobb because he if she was still around he'd still be just as fucking upset like come on mm. just snap out of it we're not in a fucking dream mm-hmm. but because she's not around he now just longs for her and it consumes him and i love that i think that that's really cool um and and she's so fucking beautiful man like it's just 
she's like the reason that I I like the third Batman film because she again <laughs> she's just fucking wicked until the whole yeah. Taliel Ghoul reveal. But up until that point, love it. And uh, yeah, it's solid. Just one of the best actresses uh, that's not getting her due. Yeah, fully in Hollywood. When you look at the film she's been in, like Midnight in Paris, this film, even her role in in uh, in Rises and stuff like that, like she's super quality uh, on screen energy mm. that that is is seems to be lacking somewhat in both men and women in this era like she walks into a scene just takes it over and like with juggernauts of uh, of oh, acting yeah. like yeah. like fucking uh like watanabe is a fucking oh he's legendary, talented but, yeah. fucking actor when he can go up against crews and guys like that and then mm-hmm. she walks in and you don't give a fuck about <laughs> him anymore yeah and uh, or and, and the same thing with Cobb, like with, with fucking leo you don't when she's on the screen. You don't give a fuck about Leo. You're you're just rooting for her. Like you almost want her to be right. Yeah, it is a dream because mm-hmm. you want her to fucking live. Yeah, <laughs> you know? those um the flashes of remembrance, the flashes of remembrance in which they're sharing the that private world. And yeah, it's completely empty. There's actually deep. something disturbing about that to yeah. me. Like that empty world, and there is a some modern philosopher Brent did a, a thought experiment about this. Say uh, in which you die as a person and you go to the afterlife and it's the world you live in. Mm-hmm. It's this world, except that no strangers exist. The only people populating the planet are the people you know. Like memories so or whatever. And the subways are empty and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And it's too bad if you don't like this, according to the philosopher, because mm-hmm. this is what you chose while you were alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Based on... Jackass. Got what you wished for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Just start making friends with everyone? If I die again, can I do it again? <laughs> but that empty mm-hmm. world that they populate, I can't believe that what ended up... Uh, Ending, ending them was the of heroes. the inception of the idea <laughs> that he gave her, and not just outright boredom. Like, how much do, oh, do you have to be shit. committed to somebody? Yeah, no, if that, and, and, you it, only want to be with them and no it's other. Kind of beautiful, but also like, ooh, yeah, are you sure? All the way yeah. up, she still has that thought. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> well, and that, that's and I mean, like, sorry, like if you, if you have anything more to say on that, but I mean. Like go on if you do, but because no, um, like the other thing that like I, I it's something that that I've sort of dabbled in and sort of like looked into here and there, but just the fan theories mm-hmm. flying around Reddit and stuff They're everywhere, and oh, it's insane. It's and I mean like painful. it's so dense and like so much of it is like in like incorrect, like ill-founded interpolation and pseudoscience and shit like that, mm-hmm. which is kind of what the movie is. But yeah. but the fan theories, just some of them are so off the wall, but some of them are really cool about like even just like, you know, the totem top is in a different position in this transition to this shot. Does it mean anything or was it? Or is it poor continuity? It's not, yeah, exactly. it's not his totem. Well, it's that, hers. No, I know, right? And that's the whole thing. And that like one he, should, too, like... he could never know. He could and, never know if he's back. Mm-hmm. Because it's not his totem. Yeah, and, that, that's and I love like, that. I love that he's using that. It just shows it's an extension of his his longing. I, I think Nolan great. just tries to show it because uh, every time he's thinking of his kids, they don't turn around, and then at the end yeah. they do turn around. Yo, so no, of course, yeah, but they still but um, that doesn't still don't see them clearly. It's I, still that wash. They are and, washed and also in the brilliant same, light, and they're still uh, the same age. Also, oh, that's right. Yeah, and it's the same fucking shot. And there is something disturbingly perfect about their faces. Yeah, <laughs> it's like just a projection. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's supposed mean, to leave the anonymity, and that's what's spo- or the ambiguity. Yeah, and that's what's supposed to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. So then people don't 
apparently I, uh, yeah. grant themselves satisfaction and not knowing they can't just leave the theater and re-enter their normal life. Right. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you just, your perception has been altered, and I mean yeah. that's where you know, like, how do you process that? And I guess that's the you know the fans. Why do you versus... have to? It's a fucking movie. I think right? that's because that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. That's my <laughs> argument. But the other side is people have to. It like gets in their head, and they right. have to sort it out. And I, and, that, and like again, like as an introduction, hold that thought because I do. I like yeah, this. Yeah. But like as an introduction, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, write it down. But no, like as an introduction, again, like this this seems to have more depth and 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 seems to be more open to a subjective interpretation than say Memento. Yep. Or yeah. the Prestige. Oh, yeah. So I mean like this is sort of a like you're almost getting thrown into the deep end with this guy if this mm. is your introduction. Mm. Yep. But again, it's like you can also just take it as like as, at a surface level, it is what it is, and still enjoy it. You know, I really like just sort of that dynamic aspect of this film. That's kind of why I would choose it. But sorry. I'd on. like to know if he meant for it to be like some kind of Joycey and Jigsaw where he like wants is he, his is fans to Is he ever going to reveal that? You know? Do you know? Like, I doubt it. Is he going to like do like a memoir in 20 years and be like, by the way, here's what, what I it meant, actually yeah. meant? Yeah. Mm. But like, I do think that like the reason why people are so obsessed with this, because like a truly great movie, it feels like it changes who you are. Mm. After you see a really good movie, you feel like a oh, different person. Dude, it's like right? redefine my realism. Let's go. Like the, <laughs> when I was a kid and I saw Fight Club, like it wouldn't change my mind about anything now. But when I oh, yeah, first it saw it, I was like, when we were how old? Yeah. <laughs> so like, I think people they want to keep they want to keep engaging with this movie, so mm. that they they need an excuse to be rewatching it and close watching it, and so Easter eggs and you know shots where things aren't lined up. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you that that can go too far. Yeah, no, and that's what I mean. It's like the the people who just run with it to a point where they're grasping at straws and making Over-reading, shit up, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like they cast this guy who's in this movie, and it's actually a continuity with like Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> Saint <laughs> Elmo's Fire, <laughs> the class. You know? Oh, that's like, a great movie. Yeah. And no one ever fucking remembers that one when they're shitting all over Schumacher for Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. And you just mentioned Midnight in Paris, Brandon, and it's interesting because in The Prestige, it's so fun to watch Tesla. For me, the most fun thing about Midnight in Paris was watching all those guys. Um, like F. Scott Fitzgerald. And Gertrude Stein. And, and mm. even Salvador Dali was in it somehow. Yeah. Adrian Brody played Dali in a yeah. bar. And oh, Picasso. Uh, I, thought, I thought Corey Stoll's delivery for Hemingway, I said this in the Woody Allen episode, was just, it's literally how I read a Hemingway it novel. It was perfect. He was, he was perfect. <laughs> Especially when he's talking to Owen Wilson about making love. You know? Yeah, it's like when most people talk about Corey Stoll, they're either like, they're talking about his, his role in House of House Cards, Cards, or they're talking about like, oh, he was great in Ant-Man. It's like, yeah. fuck, fuck you, man. <laughs> he was so good at Midnight in Paris. He's my yeah, favorite part. He, yeah, he is that movie in large part. So... And again, Marion Cotard, again, is just fucking phenomenal. Bless her. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. Am I up? I I think you're you're up, up. Brandon. Okay. So my pick uh, for first movie that uh, you should watch in Christopher Nolan's catalog is Insomnia. And the reason I I picked it was... Because you got the dregs. I'm kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I don't... don't, I don't know. No, no, man. Sell me on this. Let's go. Okay. <clears throat> oh, don't worry. <laughs> I argue that Tim Roth's accent in Reservoir Dogs was perfect. <laughs> so, so I can argue this shit. Don't, don't you worry. Let's and I it. actually, it is interesting because like Devin and I were talking about off air and like I kind of mentioned when we were speaking earlier, I can't tell if I saw this one first or Memento right, because I right. did not know it was a Christopher Nolan film. And I think that is an important point to bring up is that you can watch this film as a gateway this is this is the marijuana of his films the gateway (laughs) drug into his 
the rest of his catalog. <laughs> okay. In 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 that um, you you can still look to strong performances, um, kind of normal linear storytelling, a kind of atypical. Um, uh, format in terms of the crime dramas that were coming out at the time. Obviously, Kiss the Girls came out around that time, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I probably enjoyed it more than the book, uh, which was okay. Um, and then you had more stylized crime dramas like L.A. Confidential coming out. You mm-hmm. had, obviously, Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. which I brought up. So it's interesting to see Nolan's take on that genre and to see two heavyweights in terms of uh, Pacino and Robin Williams going head-to-head truly head-to-head mm-hmm. um, in this kind of uh, both uh, feet of, of, of like acting forces colliding and also literally their characters trying to uh, outwit each other is a really compelling storyline. Also, obviously, all the emotional baggage that you mentioned mm-hmm. that, that Pacino's character has um, when he's uh, when he leaves the, because when he, when he leaves the LAPD to go up and uh, is invited to come up to uh, investigate this case, which is uh, uh, it's it's his friend that's the chief up there, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> when he goes up there, he's involved in an internal affairs investigation, right? So when he goes up there, he's already got all of the shit weighing on his own mind, and and then to take on a fucking murder case that involves a teenage girl. Like that, just just hearing that that kind of shit happens would keep any of us up, let alone having to literally oh, sure. l- relive it to find the fucking killer on a daily basis. And then, obviously, as the name the, the the film's name implies, he he cannot sleep. Like you said, Danny, both because of um, the fact that he he is has this internal affairs investigation and this uh, slimy kind of kind of slimy. Uh, um, internal affairs officer kind of trying to make a deal with him, and then on the flip side, um, that uh, that th- this case and uh, is is dwelling on him while there's no fucking darkness, so he can get no rest, right. he can get no reset, and it's just him falling apart. So there's it's a it's an amazing performance, probably one of the best latter era performances in Pacino's catalog. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and um. This film, for me, on the flip side, is also the conduit to, say, some of those movies like One Hour Photo and mm-hmm. um, what was – what was uh, I can't think of – what was another really quality – well, uh, it, it just it just diversified what you, th- what you realize the talent of Robin Williams was. And, and for me, like, this is – this falls right at the beginning of – of his second, like his, his second renaissance, if you well, will. Those things, like when when One Hour Photo came out, you're like, wait a second, what is Robin Williams doing after Mrs. Doubtfire? Mm-hmm. Right? And, no, uh, it's so true. Yeah. And there's another one that I'm missing that's really good. That's not the one with Jim Caviezel, where they capture the people's memories in their eyes and relive them like it's a fucking movie. I, I have not seen that. Yeah, yet, no, <laughs> yeah, where he's really creepy. He's like a pallbearer almost, but with these like okay. he edits these movies together or Weird. like these life movies that he takes out all the terrible parts and gives them to the family. <laughs> So they can relive their lost yeah, yeah. ones, their loved ones' life. It, it rings their eyes. a bell, but I know I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's it's a good film. It's a little bit depressing, frankly, but oh no, because it says something about human uh, humanity, and he plays this kind of blank slate, which is really interesting. But mm. all none of that would have come about in any case without a film like this, mm. um, and Goodwill Hunting, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'd been in such a series of saccharine <laughs> movies like Jack Patch, Patch Adams, Adams yeah. Jumanji. 
Uh, I would put Dead Poets Society in there, even but though even I like, like it. It's AI just so stuff, like, well, sickly Dead sweet. Dead Society's fantastic. Wait, no, he was the sick, ending. Though. He wasn't AI. Poets what was, what was the one in particular? Uh, was he AI? What when he played the the Butler Android thing? Mm-hmm. Was that AI? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering something else. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, but yeah, you're right. Like all those like super sweet feel good things, and like that's how I kind of grew up with Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. You and, know, like and, I knew Morgan Mindy, but I didn't really know Morgan Mindy. But he could Mindy. be Bicentennial Man. Yeah. That's what I'm Yeah, Bicentennial Man. That's what I was thinking. All good. But yeah, he like this. This era was the first time that you realized not only could he lift your lift your spirits, but he could seep into your soul. You know, this guy could fucking claw onto you and and take you on a fucking journey. So you're saying he's a good actor? Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and <clears throat> I'm not one of these guys who was super up in arms, like, oh, you should have known that he was a tortured soul when he passed away, and I'm may he rest have, in yeah. peace. But I just know that I fucking love the guy. Yeah. And I was really sad to see a lot of the films that came out in his, uh, the later years kind of like I dismissed a lot of them just because I didn't want to see, much like we talked about off air, the Pacino, Duncacino situation. <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't, you know, watched Jack and Jill just for that very reason because I want to remember fucking Pacino, who's still with us, mm-hmm. as, you know. Yeah. At very, at very worst, like, Hoo-ah! like mm-hmm. that's what I want, like worst <laughs> case scenario. Uh, you know, or great ass, or whatever. You know, like, that's like the <laughs> oh, and his uh, his speech in any given Sunday, any given Sunday, is a exactly. classic sports speech. Yeah. So one but thing I just, I'm wanna... just talking about the era of Pacino that he got loud. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that's where I want to that's really notable about his performance is like it's a straight up cat and mouse police procedural, except. Hmm. He's so tired. As he gets more and more tired throughout the movie, he's less and less able to react appropriately to yeah. information. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't register facts emotionally or factually. And so there's a scene where him and Robin Williams have been speaking about the problem they have, which is, I think you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. Robin Williams is like, no. No, yeah. I'm not. And, and that he's, um, he's siphoning then, the stories in, a story into his new book. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, yeah, Robin Williams is a, is a novelist who basically thinks he can write real life circumstance and then so as the boat pulls away rob williams takes out of his jacket a tape recorder and shows it to al pacino who is mm. standing on the dock before that <laughs> hang on, hang that on hang after on. before that so chase after so as that happens al pacino <laughs> sees that rob williams is holding a tape recorder but he's so tired he almost doesn't react yeah. he's just it's not underacting it's not lack of reaction he's just too tired yeah like here's a guy <laughs> internal affairs like he's just like it just keeps getting worse and worse mm. So in his face, there's a barely perceptible reaction mm-hmm. that can be called acting, and I really like it. It's really funny. <laughs> can be called acting. <laughs> nice. Like, it's just, this just isn't getting any better for me, is it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, I wonder how much, like, method there was in his acting, you know? like Well, he... they just had that chase sequence, which they did, he did do a large part of, right? Because yeah. that's the one where Williams is running across the logs. This is before that. It's before this that? Okay, before my that. apologies. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting film also because you, unlike many of these uh, procedural crime dramas that you had at the time, or or like crime thrillers or any of this stuff, you have a character in Hilary Swank's character that is, is, uh, and it's very signature Nolan in that way, that is your conduit to the audience. Mm. Yes, she's the moral Mm -hmm. compass. She's like, is this guy, Jack Dormer, is he a good guy or a bad guy? She's trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like. Nolan so loves anti-heroes, and they've been done to death now with Walter White and Tony Soprano and mm, Dexter and that mm, Ray Donovan mm. guy who completely sucks. But like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I like Hillary the first Swank, season. Pretty, so, it was pretty solid. She's definitely a surrogate for the, us. Okay, so the is audience. she a Mary Sue? Yeah. Is she like, you know, just 
somebody we inject ourselves into. Yeah, brand new cop on the force. Yeah. She's mm. taken in by this not taken in. She's very impressed by Al Pacino because he's an accomplished police officer, mm. but she's trying to figure out whether he's good or bad. She Absolutely. has to watch him. And she's also trying to find where her morals fall. Mm. And it, it does it, it that's another excellent point, Danny, in that again the the track record of these anti heroes that as the story plays out, they start off as heroes. And they morph into an anti-hero. And that is another signature of Nolan's storytelling, which is uh, – I actually really like. Yeah, I, I, it's I less, think it's unique to him. It's less cliched than just uh, cons- maintaining a consistent anti-hero. Yeah. yeah, like the credits don't – or like the opening credit roll doesn't happen and then he's drinking a beer and shooting a guy. Like that's not yeah. how the film opens. It's a slow build where you start to see the world open up both through events that play out and through exposition and so forth um that it, it allows you to invest in a character and then kind of go on this emotional roller coaster as as you realize you don't have to or you shouldn't like him much like we talk about with like pulp fiction or yeah you don't like, like that, him. where you shouldn't like these cats you but, know, but as you do. there are so many shots of him lying in bed just looking at the clock and it's later and later mm-hmm. uh, you as a viewer start to get anxious you're like when is this guy gonna get some sleep <laughs> so the very last <laughs> line of the movie which i'm not gonna ruin but there's a there's a bit of a confrontation and al pacino says something it's the best damn line in the movie and i'm so glad they didn't do another establishing yeah now the movie's over type scene that last scene is great mm-hmm. uh so yeah no, i like i like insomnia it's a good movie it's a great movie. Oh, also, it feels like a homage to Twin Peaks. It has to be, right? The small town with the death of the teenage girl, or is that just such a common trope that it's not a Twin Peaks it, 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 it is and isn't. Like, it is a fairly commonly used trope in, in the genre, generally speaking. But the interesting twist, of course, is that it's, an, it's not like an FBI agent or a U.S. Marshal or something like that. It's not someone who's just coming to this jurisdiction. It's that it's um, uh, another municipal officer mm-hmm. that's been invited so his his uh authority is completely symbolic like he, he, if he shot someone or anything like that he'd be fucked right up there in all seriousness which he kind of already is so it's inconsequential <laughs> but it's it's interesting it's an interesting take on that and, but yeah it does definitely have a little bit of a twin peaks vibe to the whole thing yeah good it's a good movie and i just think that it's an interesting conduit for those who Maybe at this point you've obviously heard of all the things that are going to go into a Nolan film. This is an interesting gateway because you can get all of the the tone and the flavor and the character development that you would get in in another Nolan film, but you don't have to be weighted down and say, for example, like you don't come out of the theater having an existential crisis right. like you do with Inception. Right. You don't coming out. Of, you don't come out of the theater wanting to vomit from disorientation like you would with Memento. And you, you know, I can't say anything bad about Prestige because it's just fucking wicked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all, yeah. It's like you said. It has all the hallmarks of a Nolan film, but it's a very straightforward it, yeah, plot. It yeah. is. It is brighter, and it is cool that they they did a lot of it. Uh, they that they endeavored to do a crime drama that takes place entirely in the day. No gritty back alleys. No fucking. Uh, That's what happened with the dark. It's night very rises. hard to do that. Like yeah. Danny Danny Boyle when he made Sunshine was talking about how damn hard it was because yeah. usually in space movies it's the darkness that's foreboding. In mm-hmm. Sunshine, it's the sun. Yeah. yeah. How do you make that movie? So. Yeah. yeah, it must have been harder. It was probably harder to make than it looks like it was. Mm-hmm. Good flick. 
All right, so let's take a little break. We'll come back uh, and just wrap up with some final thoughts on Christopher Nolan, the director. <laughs> the director. As opposed to the boulanger. <laughs> Is that a French baker? Yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh, like Dormay. Yes, I understand because I picked Insomnia. Okay, so just a quick note and uh, full disclosure. I actually hadn't seen the 97 uh, version of Insomnia, the Norwegian film that uh, the Christopher Nolan film was based on. I've since gone back and watched it. It uh, stars uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who's amazing in it. Um, it's hard, but I, I, it's a hard choice, but I'm, I might even say that this film is superior to the to the Nolan film in terms of its tone and its energy and what it was able to accomplish. Uh, I really, really recommend checking out uh, Insomnia, uh, the Norwegian film that uh, preceded the 2002 Christopher Nolan effort, if you have an opportunity to do so. We've actually put a trailer up for it in the show notes on moviesroommylife.com. Uh, so if you're maybe interested in checking that film out, uh, go to our site, check the show notes for this episode, and uh, and see if that trailer tickles your fancy. I just said tickles your fancy. All right, so we're back, and let's just do a round of final thoughts on Christopher Nolan, the director, not the baker. Ah. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Um, just quickly, I'd like to say, um, I'm not, I've never been one to champion his work because I do find flaws in his work. Um, but I wanted to mention because we stayed away from the superhero films because we've had conversations on, on Batman before. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to say that I recently read an article with, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, um, it was Matthew Vaughn, the director mm -hmm. of uh, X-Men First Class, mm -hmm. Kick-Ass. Um, what's the other one he did recently? Um, uh, Kingsman. Ah, uh, uh, great movie. Oh, yeah, Kingsman. Fun. Loved it. Especially the church scene with Colin Firth. Oh, the church scene was incredible. The butt sex, though. I thought that was cheap. But anyway, that's another day. Yeah, the butt sex <laughs> joke was yeah, a little bit, little, uh, you know, but it's it's a, it's a goofy spy movie. It's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. In any case, I, I saw a quote with him where he said um, that the, the Nolan style of comic book film is dead because people don't actually want that. They want this, um, you know, fun, whimsical experience. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> even him... I find like that quote is irresponsible because people like the dark Knight is not a dark and gritty film in real life. It's a dark and gritty film in the universe that it resides in. Yes. And that's the problem with say someone like Zack Snyder who just wants to blow up fucking everything or uh, even the last scene in uh, X-Men 3 where, you oh, know, God. Jean Grey is just standing there oh, dissolving God. everything. Or to be honest, the trailers for this new fucking X-Men, which <sighs> I know they've lifted the embargo on it. So I know there's going to be reviews coming out or probably. No, what am I saying? It already had. There already are reviews out. For are this there? Fucking I haven't thing. seen anything. Yeah, stay away from it because you're going to be disappointed. You want to oh, go man. unclean. But um, there's there's literally in the trailer is a scene where Magneto, because in every fucking movie, it's just like 
he's moving something bigger. That's yeah. the thing. Like yeah. he yeah. moves something bigger in every movie. And so now he's moving a whole fucking city now. I assume that has something to do with whatever powers Apocalypse gives him, but I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But it's like he's dissolving everything for fuck's sakes, moving an entire like pulling cars and every fucking thing out. And it's like um people don't want that kind of doom and gloom. <laughs> like because People see that shit every day in the real world, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a sad thing to say. It's a sad reality that we live in, but unfortunately, like we can't control things like the weather or and these sorts of things. And people face that kind of trauma, even what just happened in Fort McMurray, and mm-hmm. you know, bravo to all of the Ecuador. wonderful, uh, uh, exactly, Ecuador. So that's just nerd just, storms powers. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's like, and there's real heroes in our world that are that are you know you know doing their very best every day to mm-hmm. deal with these crises so and it's don't it, treat it that lightly yeah no. and it's not in what we like what we talked about in in some of the comic book episodes where we said that um the it's not the place of superman or batman or what have you to solve the world's problems and why superman even stayed away from it in the comics and then they turn around and make quest for peace which i realized christopher reeves or uh, yeah wrote reeves plural yeah <laughs> um wrote that christopher reeve 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 yeah singular christopher reeve wrote that but uh he maybe he even didn't get the character because he's trying he's just like all the nuclear weapons are gone your problems are solved peace now forced right yeah and that's what that's what everyone is doing with these superhero films and so they see they see the success of the christopher nolan dark knight trilogy and they go okay what people want is gritty real um filmmaking in, in you know on a basis of fucking uh like in their superhero films like grounded no that's not what they want they still want fantastical but they want a film that has a set of rules well that's for the universe they live in and that's what nolan does great and that's what these fucking idiots that are making all these shitty comic book films are doing well but that was the the quote from Zack snyder recently where he's like oh yeah i'm an idiot (laughs) more or less he's like oh you know i loved like heavy metal that's what got me into comics and all these other comics are for like sissies and stuff and so like why are you trying to turn you know like marvel properties into like 70s pulpy sex properties Mm -hmm. you know like yeah sure 300 and you know um everything else kind of works that he did watchman totally works because that's what they're rooted in but when you try to put batman and and superman and wonder woman in that it doesn't really translate but i like what you were saying in that it, it's it's self-contained where the the threat is just as fantastical as the hero's powers yeah you know and it's it's not the escapism of man i wish superman could come and blow at the fires in fort mcmurray mm-hmm. that's fucking heartbreaking because that will never happen but no. if it's like wow i wish superman could come and stop the kryptonian threat i can get behind that because mm-hmm. it's it, it's couched and contextualized in a way that is yeah like it, exactly. it, it works and so it becomes an actual fantasy escape as opposed to a heartbreaking yeah reality sucks mm-hmm. no and and so i i one i don't think that the nolan style of of comic book film or action film is dead and i also no. think that it, there's a huge misunderstanding about the success of those films mm-hmm. And I also want to applaud him very quickly for being able to turn on a, you know, on a sharp edge with regards to Heath Ledger's passing. Mm-hmm. Because Dark Knight Rises could have been a lot fucking worse. <laughs> you know, yeah. people say it's shit. It is the weakest of the three, but it could have been a lot fucking worse, man. 
And yeah, I'm glad we didn't talk about those ones just because there's a huge, obviously we've talked about it before, um, even big action movies now are usually riding on the coattails of an already established franchise. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really hard for anybody to get movies like Interstellar or Inception made that are just original films promoting, you know, whatever, big philosophical ideas, however clumsily handled. Mm -hmm. So like... Because so many talented directors now are just uh, signing on for franchises and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we want to talk about these ones. The uh, the In Trilogy. Yep. Insomnia, Inception, in- Interstellar. I like that. Yeah. I had to put that in the podcast. Well, of Sorry. course. But, I mean, and that's the thing. If you're introduced with one of the Batman movies, um, that doesn't equip you for the rest at all. You no. might not even care about the rest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Devin, any final thoughts before we wrap it up, sir? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. Just like a, a final thought in terms of revisiting something we said before, where, you know, none of these are bad movies. No. There's no it's like hard. swing and a miss here. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of cool because then all we're doing is like nitpicking, you know. Oh, like, yeah. We're being super. You know what I mean? And that's, and that, as much as that sounds shitty, that's asshole. also kind of a compliment, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So remember, this is just the beginning of the. Con- remember, this is just the beginning of the conversation. We want to continue it on with you, and we really do. Uh, I, I. This is a cat that, as you can tell, we can't pick apart the films. We can't really celebrate any of them. We're in this middle space, so I'd love to hear. I don't know about you guys, but I'd love to hear this week why you fall on either side of that spectrum because I know. Seems as though the internet is is very strongly divided. There's a line down the center with Christopher Nolan in the middle and and fans on either side. Mm-hmm. So tell us what you think this week. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Mermel Podcast. That's at M R M L Podcast. You can also email the show at show at moviesroommylife dot com. Uh, do you guys want to offer up your Twitters, Danny? Yeah, I'm at Leafs Love Hurts. Devin at YR underscore Homeboy or Homeboy. Brent. Uh, at twice sliced one word and i'm at not brandon fleet and uh if you're listening to the show on uh, your podcatcher of choice uh, you can check out clips from this and other episodes on youtube uh and also uh sign up for our facebook group because uh, we put up photos and other behind the scenes stuff there um and if you're listening to or watching a clip on youtube or facebook or wherever the heck you're listening to us um you can subscribe to our podcast on itunes stitcher radio soundcloud uh we're on TuneIn. we're on uh everywhere that you can pretty much find podcasts so and if we're not where you want to play the episode let us know and we'll rectify it immediately because <laughs> we're nice canadian boys oh yep and uh i think that's about it so thanks for hanging out with us Something? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes. Check one five. Oh, I had a stroke. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Why do you talk like that? <laughs> I had a stroke. <laughs> yes. <laughs>